Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to The Distraction. The Distraction Reviews. It's Tuesday. We're reviewing our latest cinematic masterpiece, a major Japanese wrestling event. Everyone, that's what we're here to talk about, starring... Who is in this thing? Kota Ibushi, Jay White, Kazuchiko Kata. Well, Tomohiro Ishii, he was there. He made a brief cameo. Shingo Takagi. Yeah, Shingo Takagi was there. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by the chubby chief, Joseph Holbert. Joseph, how are you? I'm about 25 minutes away from sleep. Um, I'm very concerned right now. I'm hoping I'm going to be carried by our, our guest today, one of the greats. In the game, I, I need him to carry us today. I think Jeremy does too. But we're here to talk about definitely something that was a film. <laughs> That's what we're here to do today. Yes. Also joining us, making his distraction debut. I was joking with him off air. The way you get on this show is you just get fired from Fightful, or you just leave. Carlos left. He didn't actually get fired. You just leave Fightful, and then I'll have you on. If you work with me, I hold you down and don't let you on the show. Carlos Toro's here. Carlos, how you doing, buddy? I'm so thankful to finally be here on the show. The second, I think I'm the second uh, Fightful alum to be on the distraction, but I did beat Andrew Thompson as far as getting here quicker than any other Fightful alum since his departure. So I do feel like I <laughs> maybe needs like a little King of Pro Wrestling type of trophy uh, just for that accomplishment alone. We can do that. We can we can make some type of trophy. I'm not doing it, but Jimmy Van's got money. Maybe he'll make a trophy. I mean, in in truth, Jeremy, you know, Carlos he's like he's a legend, and he he really he's my mentor and trainer in many ways. Because my fightful podcast debut was with it was under the leadership of Carlos. Right, we did some boxing stuff, right, which feels like at least five decades ago. But we did do it. I'm convinced of it. There's evidence yeah. out there somewhere. We definitely did this. So that's true. He broke me in, brother. You know, I owe him everything. This is my career now. So this is going to be fun. He is going to carry us and talk about Japanese filmmaking. Now, a major Japanese wrestling event. Joseph, okay. that's what we're yeah. here to talk about. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, we got to introduce this, like, 
and, and it's funny because I, I immediately thought about this when I was reading the, the video description of this. It's a, a major Japanese wrestling event starring Kota Ibushi, Jay White, Kazuchika Okada, and more. Like, this is the, the Star Wars holiday special where, like, oh you my. just see oh all my. these... So see all the characters and with their actual, their actual like real life names and just very to be very clear, different. Let, let's set the table immediately here. This is definitely better than the Star Wars Holiday Special. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone can relax for that. Well, I'm going to set my story out here. Okay, before you get mad at me, block me on Twitter or send abuse my way. I. Came into this event with a clean slate. Okay, I, I found out the card on like Sunday. Yeah, I have no investment. I purely am talking here just from what I've watched. There are going to be things that you love that I liked because I didn't have that investment. Carlos is going to help us in that regard. However, I think we can all agree up front here. This was a really great uh, pair of events, right? We could say that much at least. Yes, guys, send in your super chats. Get your question, comment, statement. Red on air. We are talking New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 15. We, we titled it this way because we got dinged on Fightful Scraps. Uh, I guess they didn't like that. They thought we had some footage on there. Sean was like, don't, don't put it in the title. I said, okay, I'm going to call it a major Japanese wrestling event. And so that, that's the bit, everybody. I, I think everybody caught on. Anakin JMT says, here's $5 for the next five years. Carlos has, to, uh, has left to write Karen Cross Art. Carlos... Carrie oh. Cross is back in the ring uh, tomorrow night. You're coming back to write this article, right? When he beats the oh. priest. Oh, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. When I, when I say I left fightful, I meant conditionally. Yeah, you got to do the Karrion Cross articles, man. When he wins that title back, you're back. You're back in the fold. Evan Wright says Moonsault Power Slam. That's all I've got to say. We will talk about that that match and that spot. JJ says I've rebranded even more with the name change. Uh, my God, distraction number one fan. JJ, here to support the stars. New Japan event was great. Ibushi is my spirit animal. Keep smiling, grinning. JJ, I hope you're doing well, buddy. We always appreciate your support. Let's get let's get into this event. We're not going match by match. We're going to kind of go night and be all over the place. Night one, let's just start at the top. Double gold, IWGP heavyweight, and intercontinental championship. Kota Ibushi dethrones Tetsuya Naito, as spoiled by Fire Pro Wrestling uh, when, when Kota Ibushi won the match. I sat on the Fire Pro Wrestling stream. I said, like, Kota Ibushi's, like, top five for me to, to watch, to just care about. I, I love Kota Ibushi. This match, they tried to kill each other, as you would expect from these two men. I really love this match. How about you, Carlos? I, I really loved it. I mean, you look at... The history of Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito. I mean, these guys, yes. They, they, they're always trying. Their their goal is almost like, you know, give the best match possible and then secondary objective, try to kill each other, if if that makes any sense. Uh, overall, I thought that this was a, a maybe one of the best matches, which is really saying something. And, you know, from the very beginning, even before you get into, before Wrestle Kingdom, you almost got a sense that the next six months, maybe the next eight months or even 12 months was going to be Kota Ibushi's time. Because, I mean, just to kind of give a bit of a background to to anyone that, weren't, that wasn't aware. So Ibushi, ever since the pandemic, has been kind of been on this quest to, quote unquote, become God and like reach a, a new level uh, as a wrestler 
and uh, as a person. And the only way to do so is to become double champion and enact the the changes that he wanted to bring and have the the belts as a sort of a a, a vehicle to carry out his message. And even after even after he lost the the briefcase to Jay White a few months ago, which I was very very surprised, but I guess you got to find a way to to somehow justify two major main events uh, on both nights. It was it, it you kind of you did get the sense that this was finally going to be the time to where they really pulled the trigger on Kota Ibushi because they they've kind of teased it a little bit. There's been times where New Japan has almost kind of pulled the trigger. But haven't quite really. But now, especially in this time where, I mean, Naito, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Okada, they've all had their time. And some of them are kind of getting up there in age and entering the twilight years of their career. Uh, you need a, a guy like Kura Ibushi to kind of carry the company. And, I mean, this was about as good a match as you can possibly ask for between these two at the Tokyo Dome. E- even if it was only night one, this felt like a, a real definitive conclusion to Wrestle Kingdom. It's interesting, right? Because it definitely worked within the template of like what we've come to expect as an IWGP heavyweight title match, right? Like in terms of length and I think in terms of structure mostly. But it was like them two trying to work their match within that that template. And I actually think it worked pretty well. They kind of spread the insanity around, I thought, pretty nicely. And while the length, you know, if you're watching this without watching the show, the length may be a bit daunting. I think if you can watch it with an open mind, it went really smoothly, right? This particular match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a credit to, to the pace in here and, and the way that they approached it. Sometimes Naito in longer matches, I find it can be kind of like a hindrance to him. You know, he uses it as like a crutch almost, right? Like we'll mm-hmm. get there in the end kind of thing. Ibushi, really, he's not really that guy. He doesn't really let that happen. And that's, you know, you get like 10 minutes in the match and there's already some insanity going on. There's some chaos and then it will sort of, it was a, a roller coaster. It wasn't, you know, a Wrestle Kingdom main event. I'll say, like, I'm going to rewatch it all the time. But it was a great match. And and the big thing, the disclaimer to put over this, as someone that hasn't watched like a ton of the post, not post pandemic, but since coming back from, uh, re, you know, restart and such, is like it is different with the crowd as they are now, right? Mm-hmm. Like the atmosphere does change it. You know, have, not having that roar and instead having the applause, it kind of disconnects stuff from how they usually would do it. And I think at times that's been a, a hole in, in the way they approach it. With These two are too good for that, and they have great chemistry. So it delivered for me. I thought it was a tremendous main event, and I think the big point, which Carlos hit on perfectly there at the end, at its conclusion, it felt like that was the end of Wrestle Kingdom. Now, granted, it wasn't. We had another four hours, but that's a credit to what they did there. It wasn't like, okay, that's part one. It was like, wow, you know, exhale. So that says a lot, I think. I mean, Ibushi was taking a German suplex on the floor onto his head and neck like five minutes into this match. That pretty much set the tone for the entire match right there. The the Hurricane Rana spot off of the apron. Just, these two these two men are nuts. They mm-hmm. they they don't care and and bless them for it. At this point, like I, it used to be a thing where I would be worried. Like, okay, you got to stop taking these bumps now. They ain't gonna listen to us anyway. So if they're gonna do it, they're gonna keep wrestling whatever just just be safe out there guys and i mean like they went through it you you mentioned match length it went 31 minutes it really didn't feel like it i mean the okada match went longer dude the rambo went 35 minutes and that felt every bit of 35 minutes like this match yeah this match was 31 minutes and i thought it flew by i was like this this is good i'm for this and then 
when we get to the night two main event, which I think we're just going to jump to right now, like mm-hmm. that went 48 minutes and like it felt every bit of 48 minutes by, by the end of it. And I, I like Jay White. I like his heel work. I just mentioned how much I love Kodo Bushi. I don't need these 48 minute epics and, and matches and stuff. I just don't. Longer does not always equal better in the case of professional wrestling. And I didn't need it, but that's what we got. We did have uh, Kota Ibushi picking up the victory, remaining the double champion, overcoming Jay White. Carlos, what'd you make of this match? Yeah, and just to, to kind of go a little bit off your point about the match length. I mean, it went forty-eight minutes. It was a great, great forty-eight minutes. But I can do, I can see why people would be a little bit tired. Especially me, I was a little tired just you know just watching it coming out of literally three straight matches uh, on, on that show right before the main event that went at least twenty one minutes each. So yeah. it did kind of feel like you know, and especially with the crowd not being allowed to just kind of audibly cheer and just all you can do is just clap and just stomp your feet. It did kind of feel like it maybe dragged on just a little bit, and I think that's more of a credit, uh, uh more due to the the yes, the COVID nineteen era of new japan where yeah there's crowds but it almost doesn't feel like it i think there were a couple of matches that were slightly hurt because of the lack of crowds but uh but, uh crowd noise i should say but going back to the actual main event i thought this was a a great great match with very small character moments sprinkled throughout the match that i thought were were a- a- just absolutely excellent just the I don't know how much of the G1 uh, you guys watched, but Kota Ibushi throughout the G1, there were times where he would just enter this just very, very bizarre, stoic, uh, you know, apathetic-looking stance where he just completely no-sells everything. And and I think Chris Charlton uh, in this match, like, called it like the, the devil or the demon was just, uh, just coming on. And... And they're just great moments where just he was just completely thrashing Jay White to the point where Jay White, even though it was kind of like an underhanded tactic, he was he basically laid on the man. It's like, dude, just just pin me, just stop. And just small moments like that were was absolutely excellent. Um, you know, forty eight minutes again. Uh, it was very weird seeing a forty eight minute match in a New Japan uh, show during the pandemic because. They've made it a point to make these shows much, much shorter than than how it was pre-pandemic. Like every G1 show was like done in two, two and a half hours. And and here is like you do 48 minutes and it kind of does drag on a little bit. Like like you said, Jeremy, you know, sometimes less is more and longer does not necessarily equate to better uh better wrestling, but I thought that this was you, you could do a, a far worse 48-minute match between these two, and I thought this was a, a solid, solid uh, match between the two. I actually kind of preferred the Naito-Ibushi uh, match just a little bit more, but I think I love the, the character moments from Ibushi on the Jay White match a little bit more than the Naito match. I'm I'm really torn on this match, and I'm I'm torn on Jay White in this spot in general. So, so first things first, the, the presentation here, the pre-match I'm talking, Jay Wyatt has grown into this role and spotlight better than almost any professional wrestler I can think of off the top of my head. 
He had charisma two years ago. He now feels like one of the biggest stars in pro wrestling. When that guy makes his entrance, he completely owns that setting. So huge thumbs up for immediately getting me three hours deep into a show to sit forward and say, this is going to be something serious. This guy means business. Credit to the announcer team who did a great job, I think, on both shows. They really convinced me Jay White had a real chance in this, which I didn't believe going in. I know a lot of New Japan fans did because, you know, they've got Jay over to that way. I'm looking at it from a cold perspective. So credit in, in all that regard. Sometimes it feels like Jay White is a wonderful uh, square peg in a very different round hole because <laughs> I love what he does in these matches. And I love that he will do the, you know, tr- a traditional sort of structure and he'll do a heat segment. But it's like, if it's all going to end up being the same at the end, it's difficult. However, this match, I don't think suffers from that because while it, I, I agree it could have been trimmed and like, that's a lot for after what we had before, as you said, it's a lot. But the final portion of this match, I do think, if nothing else, will be a pivotal moment for Jay's career as he's clearly in transition as a character now, right? Mm. So whether we think it was too long or whatever, it's like some of these matches, they reach their storyline crescendo or or narrative crescendo is a better word. And then it's like, okay, now we do the finishing stretch, right? (laughs) And it's like it it muddies the waters. I think Jay White being courageous and sort of not heroic, but sort of admirable at the very end here will prove important to his character and his story. So for that reason, I kind of accept it. I think the biggest thing this match suffered from was that it was not the main event of a one-night Wrestle Kingdom, but a two-night Wrestle Kingdom. And as we saw that off-air, that changes it very much in terms of how you view it as a, as a, as a fan. I would, have, I would have loved for them to commit a little bit more on what Jay was doing when he was in control. Like, I loved when he started and was on the head and neck, but then he went to the ribs, which was saying he did in a previous match from what Kevin Kelly said. He did some stuff on the leg, and it's like, it, it lost its way for me in that regard. But I completely agree with what Carlos said about Ibushi's character. I thought it was fabulous. I think they're both great. Two of the best processes in the world. It was a great match, objectively speaking. I just need to stress that as someone that wasn't invested going in, yeah, the, the length probably didn't help me. But, I, you know, I'll say this much. I left this match intrigued by where Jay White was going next. And I think that's there's something to be said for that, right? And I think it was the right finish, too. So... Great match, even if long and a little daunting. Well, let's talk about Jay White right fast, because in his backstage promo, he said that he's done with New Japan after New Year Dash, uh, which is in a few hours now. Less than 12 hours is New Year Dash. Is this a work? Is he actually leaving? There seems to be no actual reporting on if his contract is up. Uh, He's got people hooked. I would tell you that much. I New Year's Dash the past couple of years, it feels like, like not a ton has happened this year. I'm like, I got to see what they're going to do with Jay white. If nothing else, if he's going to kick, be kicked out of bullet club, if he is actually leaving, what do you think is going to happen with Jay white, Carlos? It's, it's very intriguing, especially when you look at the history of past bullet club leaders on new Year's stash. I mean, Kenny Omega was ceremoniously kicked out. Same with AJ styles. They, 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 they both happened on new year dash. And with Jay, it's, he is in a very pivotal moment as a wrestling character. And it's, and I don't know if it's an outright him being kicked out of Bullet Club. 
because it for for a while I did kind of think that maybe there'd be kind of like a little bit of a civil war between uh, the evil led group of Bullet Club and then you got the Jay White led group of Bullet Club and there were some a little bit of those seeds planted uh, during the G1 especially with Jay White against Yujiro Takahashi uh, which was not a wrestling match but a phenomenal you know way to tell a long term story it, it could be that but. I mean, normally when it comes to these types of things where someone is leaving the company, a big star like Jay White, we would kind of have known something. There there would be at least a little bit of semblance. And I think the mystery of it all, uh, I think it's very intriguing if it's a work. And I probably think it's going to be a work. I still think I'm very, very intrigued because we don't know what exactly we're going to do. Like, I mean, it's a guy who just outright says, yeah, I'm leaving. You don't really get to hear guys publicly say stuff like that we hear kind of hear back behind the scenes but not necessarily out in, you know in in front of a camera right after a big match like that it's i mean it seems pretty pretty likely to me that he's staying in new japan right <laughs> i think that's you know i think the interesting thing is kind of pondering a world in which he moves away from bullet club as a baby face and you know baby face in this in this promotion is sort of the wrong term, but just less of a like pure evil <laughs> villain, right? <laughs> and I have no problem with that for Jay. I just wonder like what is then left for Bullet Club as like the centerpiece? Because I, I evil Joseph, listen, man. <laughs> I don't think evil. I think they know evil's not that guy. And I think Kenta has a great show on here, which we'll get to. But like, he's not that anymore either. It's interesting. I mean, it's the thing as well with Jay is like this is kind of the role he's made for on this roster, right? Like the absolute top dickhead villain <laughs> in the crew. He's like, if you then make him just another like honorable fighting man, it's like, well, we have a few of those guys at the top. It's, it's in, it'll be interesting to unfold. I think, honestly, the more I think about it and talk about it, it's like, it's more likely he just becomes even more of a dick <laughs> as the head of, of Bullet Club. So we'll so, see. I'm sure he'll kill it. I think that's kind of the way to go because you're right. Like babyface Jay White, I think he'd be great at it. Like they they've got enough of those kind of like fighting spirit babyface guys. They they don't need Jay White to fill that role. They don't like Evil's not the guy who I, I'm not invested in any top heel stable led by Evil. Kenta, I like Kenta. I think he could do it. I mean, he closed Tokyo Dome last year attacking Naito and it looked like he was going to be in for a big year before everything kind of fell apart. I think Kenta could probably pull that off, but yeah, it's a role that just, it seems made for Jay White and they've been building kind of more towards an evil Jay White split than like a Kenta and Jay White split. I do think it'd be better if he just went like kick evil out of the group. I don't know what you're going to do with evil, but I, I don't have, I don't have use for him. I need dickhead Jay White. That that's that's a role he's cast for. So, but I'm way more intrigued in New Year Dash now because I want to see what happens with this. I want to see where they go uh, with Jay White. I hope it's not a babyface thing. I don't think it will be. But that promo was almost like a babyface promo. Like he's just like, yeah. why is anybody helping me? Like I, you know, I've given, I've sacrificed everything for this. I've left my family. Like. I'm just done. Like it felt very much like a sympathetic babyface promo. And I don't think that's the role you need to go with you. Unless you're going to go. And th this is what I'll kind of transition into. Unless you're going like Will Ospreay 
as the top kind of dickhead heel and you're going uh, <laughs> and, and like that's gonna be your sort of top heel guy and i mean osprey took on okada i feel like if you're going with that for osprey probably should have had him beat okada so he has like you know yeah. a bragging right there and said we had okada win the rainmaker was back joseph your favorite move the money clip <laughs> use this shit oh you're it. a fan of the money clip <laughs> like i am he, seriously good to I, know. I, I am not like people hate that move <laughs> i'm like it's fine i wish you'd like you know put a little more emphasis on it I'm risk control. Like, no risk control with it so well, well, here's the problem. Well, here's the problem with the with the money clip is that it was something that Okada just kind of put it out out of nowhere. It said, "Hey, G1, I'm going to be focusing a lot on the money clip," and he literally tried to win every single match with the money clip uh, with the money clip. And I think he's won every match with the money clip. And the problem is that we don't. Okada is not necessarily a submission wrestler, so every time he does it, it almost felt like he was just forcing it to 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 work and. I guess to an extension, it, it kind of got over, and he sort of got better at making it seem like a, a little or a little more seamless. But at the same time, it's still just weird, just kind of seeing, just pulling that out uh, out of nowhere. It's similar to kind of how I felt like when when John Cena was doing the springboard stunner, where it just like it just didn't look good, it just didn't feel natural. It's like it, it just felt weird. Yes. Well, I, um, it's, I thought Osprey actually did a great job of like selling it as a finish a couple of times in this match. This mm. match is a great match. However, this is number one candidate for what I said earlier about the narrative of this match reached its conclusion when it was like, okay, finally this piece of shit Will Osprey is going to have to pay for his sins. Okada's got him. Okay, you remember this part of the match? It was like Okada's finally he's finished this Okada, and then they just did like ten minutes. They just did another ten minutes. They did moves to each other, and it's like I can accept it with Jay because I sense you're doing something with him. Osprey's brand new as a complete dick heel, but he just let him lose that way. Okay, I'm, I'm leaving it. Because <laughs> what happens is is that it's like if every guy has these like courageous kind of. And not courageous, maybe it's the wrong word, but like these really hard fought wars. It's it's too kind of earnest and sincere. They they had a, a great match, and Okada had him. To me, extended it was unnecessary, but I also have to kind of remind myself. I watch wrestling one way, and I hope people watch it different. Some people needed that for it to be in the New Japan kind of classic form. So if that's the case, you know, I'm sure Okada understands the New Japan audience better than I do. Hot take. Um, and, and I'll say this much, you could tell even without the crowd being able to like, you know, cheer, you could tell they loved this match. There was like an energy in the building and sort of an intrigue that kind of went through even the way they were being able to react to it. So it's a great match. I know that Osprey is what he is at this point. You know, that's there, but he's a great performer and I'm not going to pretend otherwise. The heavyweight start, like the first portion of this match where he was like actively adjusting to what his new role is. I think had some kinks. I thought Okada here was like back to being best wrestler on earth, best wrestler of all time levels. <laughs> Okada, he looked inspired from the start. He has an energy in big matches, right? Where it's like he can portray such importance and stature through the smallest stuff. And that's him at his absolute best. And I think he did it a few times here. So another great match. I loved it. Carlos, any other thoughts on this match? I, 
mean, overall, I, I really thought this match was really good. I I honestly thought Will should have won it. I mean, you got Empire in their first major Wrestle Kingdom show, and then they all go over. Like I thought for I was fully convinced that after Will lost, I figured, okay, they gotta at least make some type of consolation and have one of their guys win. And to be honest, if if the problem was that you didn't want to make Okada look back by losing, you know what I you know what they should have done? I think they should have ended the match when Osprey did that just insane like deadlift, like I guess Falcon Arrow through the announcer for one of the tables just outside of ringside, and you have Will win by when by count out and just really emphasize that he is the new dickhead heel because him kind of dragging Okada back in is like like the anti like the complete opposite of what you would expect out of a dickhead heel like he I, dickhead heel would have would have absolutely loved to have gotten the 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 count out victory in, instead of just trying to beat Okada quote unquote the, the honorable way by by pinning him and I get Maybe you want to put an emphasis point on beating Okada that way, but I think you could have at least maybe done something where Okada would still would have been protected if he had been counted out in that way. Because that was a that was a brutal spot outside yes. of outside of ring. Well, I think I think they for that like you want Osprey to like his whole goal was to prove he was better than Okada. So if you win right. that way, you don't fully prove it. That said, like you're not wrong in that they could have done that and kind of just established a different role. For, for Osprey going that route of like, you know what? I worked smarter than you. I had you beat. I didn't need to pin you. Like, you needed to get up like a man and come in and, and beat me. And then you can do the rematch down the line. See, here's the, and this is now, this could like branch into a bigger subject, but it's like. We don't need that right now. This is, this is where like <laughs> wrestling narrative in many ways has taken a second, you know, like kind of a backseat to performance. And I'm not saying that's better or worse. What I'm saying is, is when you see Okada wrestle someone like in the mid card and he still has a 20 minute match, like <laughs> that's an example of how the wrestling business has evolved or just straight up changed, whatever one you want to choose. Like it's now to him and these guys, it's about having the best possible match on this stage. So, like, while my fandom, when I hear Carlos say that, it's like, damn, that's good heat for Will. Like to them, it would be like, oh, we left a ton on the table, too much on the table. We need to give everyone a chance to have the best possible match. It happens a few times on every show now. It's like, it's just the way it is. So you kind of lose, um, to me, and sometimes you lose like what's unique about personalities that way because everyone has to do the same. Like, we have to have a great match tonight, a certified great match. But I'm with you. I just, I think that's, at this point, they're not doing that, right? Like, every match has to have, like, the emphatic. I mean, I remember when Okada pinned Jericho with, like, a roll-up, and it was like, People shut down their New Japan worlds. Like, What's going on here? What's going on? I'm, we need to hit three finishes, boy. It's like, it's just, it is what it is. So, I don't know. I'm with that, you. Like, imagine if Tanahashi had won with the, what did he win with? The, the, the running small party. Yeah, the, the running schoolboy. Yeah. That's what it was. My God. Yes. Yeah, and, and listen, and look, and I'm not usually, and I'm not a fan of like advocating for count on finishes, but it, but New Japan never does that. They mm-hmm. never do that. So it would be a refreshing, like it would be a, a change of pace where I, where it doesn't feel like horrible because you didn't do twenty of uh, twenty of those same finishes slash DQ finishes like right before right before this match. Uh, but again, I'm okay with this match. I'm okay with the way it ended. Um, and I've always been an advocate, especially in New Japan. One loss on a big show 
does not mean you get your buried or anything. I I still fully expect Will to have a huge, huge 2021. I actually honestly think that he's going to win either a major title or he's going to win a major tournament, one or the other. It's a, a big part of the way they book their their like roster is status quo and like earning your major moment is a big thing to the way they do things still. And it's still traditional in that sense, right? Like I remember when Jay came in, what were we talking about, two, three years ago now, and he wrestled Tanahashi. And Tanahashi just won, right? Yeah. And he does it here on, on this. We'll get to that in a second. But like there is something to be said for like, yeah, we're pushing this guy. But it's that kind of sports influence, I think, in some ways of like, no, this guy's going to earn his kind of thing. He's going to take his licks. It's, it's that it's that approach that sometimes we have to kind of like retune ourselves to, I think. Because it, sometimes it makes obvious sense for the new guy to win. And it's like, that's just never happening there. Like to mm. them, that is the opposite. So I think this was a case of that. And I think in fear of doing Jeremy's transition for him, I think Tanahashi versus my new favorite wrestler, the great Okan, was also a case of that, right? I don't know. I mean, everybody thought that we'll, we'll just get into it. Everyone thought Okan was going to win. It's like, all right, you've got a new I, guy. I did not actually. I, I may be the only one in this case. I actually thought Tanahashi was going to win. Oh, Carlos is smarter than us. That's why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely thought Okan was going to win because, like Joseph said, like the, the new guy kind of just wins it. You tell the story of, oh, Tanahashi, does he have it? And all this kind of stuff. And when Tanahashi won, look, I was thrilled. I loved, I love Hiroshi Tanahashi, but it did seem like they, they were going with Okan and, and they went with Tanahashi. I thought the match was great because Tanahashi in these matches, no matter what, it's, in, it's such an easy story to tell with him. Broken down Tanahashi, old gunslinger. Does he still have it? And like he's been wrestling this style for like five years, maybe even more. And as he gets older, it's just easier and easier to tell because you could tell he's lost that step and everything. So I thought it was another masterful Tokyo Dome performance by Hiroshi Tanahashi. Carlos, as a man who actually knew Tanahashi was going to win, <laughs> what do you think? Overall, I thought that this match was... It was an excellent showcase of great Okan, which I thought that was the whole purpose of the match. I think this was the match where wins and losses probably mattered the least when it comes to when it comes to looking at both shows and the Great Okan because Great Okan is coming on is coming to back to New Japan after excursion and and I would I would I may have a, a slight disagreement on uh, with you Joseph about the whole about Will Ospreay and Great Okan kind of being the new guys because at the very least Will Ospreay has been a guy who has sort of been established although more so as a junior heavyweight who's had great, tremendous matches at, at heavyweight, so it is a lot more, more believable to have him beat a guy like Okada. But in the case of Great Okan, people are still trying to figure out what his whole deal is about. I mean, for God's sake, they, they changed it. They made a slight alteration to his name, like, almost immediately after his debut. First he was the Great Okan, now he's the Great Okan. I, I get why did the name change, and it makes sense, and I actually think it's kind of kind of interesting that it's a... It's a it's an homage to Genghis Khan, which I thought that was it, it fits in well with the with the Empire branding. Um, but, but I think overall, this was more of a match to really establish Greater Khan as a guy who can go with some of the best in New Japan and be a guy that will serve as someone who will be the perfect foil to a guy that's gonna that part of a larger story going up against the Empire, whether it be against Jeff Cobb. <laughs> or against Will Ospreay, and and overall it was 
It was a tremendous showing uh, of a guy who is still, to a lot of people, maybe is still uh, a little bit unfamiliar, who maybe didn't follow him during his days as a young lion. It's interesting. I just quickly to to say you're you're 100 correct. I just meant like on that stage. You know what I mean? Like they they like right. to protect those kind of. You're you're right. Um, I am so deeply in love with Hiroshi Tanahashi that I legitimately it took me like 10 minutes of this match to realize who he was wrestling because I just watched. To me, this was a Hiroshi Tanahashi match. This whole match to me was about him, and that tells you where I'm at with that guy. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm glad Carlos is here to tell you the, the truth. As for the Great Okan, let's do this quickly. I think the presentation is super wacky, but kind of fun. I like that his style actually is different and has its own like quirks from, from his roots. I mean, that's super cool. I thought he was good here. But to me, this was a match that was completely rooted in the, the, the story that Jeremy kind of hinted at and mentioned earlier of like Tanahashi fighting those demons of father time. Right, and like you had these nice little, you know, the the um, skin the cat spot that Sean did in the mm-hmm. Rumble, and like that's a Tanahashi spot, right? And like the first time when he got knocked off, he did that the slowest I've ever seen. It was tremendous. <laughs> and then later in the match, he did it as he, as he once did, and it's like those little touches that if you've watched enough of his matches, actually make you feel something. That's a powerful thing. Um, there was another one late in the match where Grego can't put a submission on. And like, I don't think the commentary team quite nailed this, but like, to me, that was 100% a flashback to when he submitted one year ago at the Tokyo Dome, which was a big moment for that character, right? When Jericho made, forced him to submit. And like, things mm. like that, that are just, someone that's actually invested in him made this match such a hit. I'm not saying it's a classic by any means. It's just such a smart match. The Great Okan was very much a, a solid foil. I don't want to dismiss what he did, but to me, man, this match was just all about the, the ace of the universe, one of a kind, Jeremy, as we found out he, he's titled. Um, just a beautiful man, Hiroshi Tanashi, a god. Amazing. A wholesome... And, and then you... Go ahead, Carlos. And, and, and to sort of go on a little bit more about Great Khan is that when you especially read some of the translated interviews that he that he does with, with New Japan, it's really not so much about him, like, I want to, like, I'm going to win this match, so-and-so. Like, that's my objective. No, my objective is to hurt people. And that's what I wanted to do with Tanahashi. And that's what he wanted to do with a lot of people. And to the greater point, I mean, Tanahashi has been going through that, you know, is Father Time going to be catching up to him? They've been kind of sort of doing that for the last couple of years because, I mean, his body, I mean, he looks phenomenal. But at the same time, he's also battling injuries left and right and, I mean, he he physically, dude's a goddamn Greek god in that sense, like chiseled out of marble. But there were times where you kind of started, where you constantly kept asking yourself, is this really now finally the time where Tanahashi is sort of over the hell? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We transitioning into this, like the gatekeeper uh, type of role, and you sort of kind of saw that with the uh, during the G one where he didn't exactly have the best win loss record. He actually had a fairly poor showing. When he did the reveal and took off his little jacket, my God, just <laughs> drop it. Yeah, that was over. I also like that he did the like you know the steel chair spot. Where he was like, should I use the chair? Just threw it away and won anyway. And Kevin Kelly's like, he did not embrace the dark side. I was like, man, I love this guy. Bro, I had honest, this is the truth, okay? I am terrified of the day that this man retires. Like, it will be the saddest shit for me. He's just, what he represents is so much bigger than all the great performances to me. Like, he's a symbol, right? Like, he, it's just fun seeing him in these fights. Like, I need to make a point of seeing that because even here in a match that really was like, it wasn't like anyone's headlines after this show or before it, but it's just great to see him. He's a master, right? He's a genius. Yeah, him I mean, that's the best showcase of why he's an all-time great. Tanahashi is one of the greatest of all time, without a doubt. And doing air hugs on the way back, just such a wholesome, wholesome man. I, I love, love Hiroshi Tanahashi. Let me catch up on some Super Chats here. Anakin says, was it nice to watch an incredible show for once? Anakin, I watch MLW every single week. It's one hour in and out. That is an incredible show. All right. That's an incredible show. <laughs> Evan Wright says Okada versus Osprey, Abushi versus Jay White, Shingo versus Cobb are going to be contenders for match of the year in December. I have a feeling incredible matches to me. Yes, I was higher on Ibushi and Naito than uh, Ibushi and White. And I think uh, my co hosts were as well. Shingo and Cobb were about to get to. Um, so Shingo. Jeff Cobb, never open weight title. Like these two men just beat the shit out of each other, tossed each other around, just punched each other in the face, forearmed each other in the chest. Chop. This match ruled. Absolutely ruled. Um, I cannot say. This is my favorite match across both nights. And I, I love both of these men. And they they worked it almost like a junior style with the way they were tossing each mm-hmm. other around. Uh, it was mentioned earlier in a super chat. Uh, Jeff Cobb's moonsault, power slam moonsault. I don't know how you do something like that, but the man did it and it looked beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely love this match. Carlos? I, I would like to apologize because throughout the duration of the Shingo Takagi talk, uh, I will say nothing but the absolute, you know, nicest things I can say about Shingo Takagi without, and probably at the day you're being called a dirty mark uh, because I think Shingo Takagi is... Uh, in my opinion, I thought he was my uh, the best wrestler of 2020. And this match kind of exemplified why. Shingo Takagi is a guy, as you, as Jerry mentioned, he is a guy that will beat the shit out of you. But the matches that he does, that he has pulled out day after day, show after show, has been anything, it has been absolutely stellar. Like, I don't think there's been a wrestler pre-pandemic and po- and during the pandemic in 2020 that has had better consistent matches across the board for a variety of different styles than, than, than Shingo Takagi. He is a guy who 
uh, I, I will admit, at first, when he came into New Japan a couple of years ago, he was a guy that I was worried. I was like, all right, how are they gonna? How are they gonna treat him? He's the new signing, but he came from Dragon Gate, and then he they then I want to say they strapped the rockets on him, but they protected him very very well. And I thought that this was a match where I actually kind of thought maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he'll eat the pin just to kind of put the Empire over. But I'm personally glad that Shingo Takagi uh, is still the never open weight championship because you can do so many different styles of matches with Shingo and all of them would be great. You can have a hard hitting uh, match like he did uh, against Jeff Cobb, against Minoru Suzuki last year with like all of their matches. Last year were fantastic. Again, show during the New Japan Cup USA was was also fantastic. Uh, not New Japan Cup USA, just the regular New Japan Cup. But uh, this match was fantastic. And Jeff Cobb, to his credit, he was about as good as par- a dance partner for Shingo as anyone could ask because it's he's literally just another Shingo. Where fen- he's a phenomenal wrestler, criminally underrated athletic ability for someone his size. Like you almost saw like from the very start of the match where Shingo was running the ropes and Jeff Cobb just jumps over him and then pulls off this like beautiful drop kick. That's like, it was like an Okada style uh, drop kick almost. And both of these guys just, they did just an absolutely stellar match. I agree. This was my favorite match of the show, to be honest with you. Yes. Uh, co-signed or trio signed here. I think the reason Jeremy and I love this so much is because it was short. There's two guys that wasn't like, so, like Jeremy watched a lot more than me before this, but we wasn't like so, like completely rooted in the results. Some of these matches physically, this was the most kind of like, wow, match, right. As far as mix of everything they did. Sometimes on this show, I'll, I'll say the phrase about like a guy is better in fault than in execution and through the years, I've thought that of Cobb, where it's like, he's real good, and I've always kind of been waiting for him to be great. Like, because to me, his skill set should be, should be allowing him to do more. He, in this particular match, on this particular night, he was the wrestler that he would hope and he's aspire to be every night, right? Like, this was a, the quintessential what Jeff Cobb can be. And that's not a criticism of his usual work. That's me just saying that's how great this was, this combination him and Shingo. It's one of those matches that's unique in that it's very difficult to explain why it's great. But if you watch it, you'll need about a minute to figure out why it's so great. And as it, the beautiful thing about it was, while they're doing like, it's, you know, for much of it, they're hitting similar beats here, right? Like, you know, they, they're just, as you said, Jeremy, as you aptly said, they beat, they're beating the shit out of each other, okay? But the way that it's still <laughs> accelerated and escalated as it went on, and at the end there, it's like you're legit covering your eyes at some of these shots. Some of the clotheslines down the stretch were just like, it was it was extraordinary. It was it was a great match. It was my favorite uh, of these two shows too. Great stuff. And, and one and one particular clothesline that I remember was where I think it was Shingo who clotheslined Jeff Cobb, and Cobb did like you know a lot of wrestlers they, nowadays they oversell the the clothesline and they do like a really weird flip and they just end up landing on a weird angle. This was a, a clothesline where Cobb flipped. But it was in a way that made the, that actually sold the the clothesline to Lariat as this like really really devastating thing, and I can imagine being clotheslined by Shingo Takagi is just one of the worst things ever. The Made in Japan Shingo hit 
like it, it's a cool looking move already, but to do it to somebody as big as Jeff Cobb, it looked devastating and at the same time just like all inspiring. Shingo, look, Shingo's great. I I absolutely love this match, and I'm glad. Like usually, every single title changes hands at, at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I'm glad that Shingo won. It was. I thought Cobb was going to win because Empire went 0 for 2 on night one. It seemed like, all right, you got to establish this this group a little bit. I think Empire is going to do something like kind of big at New Year Dash mm-hmm. to like really establish them for this upcoming year. Um, but they, they can do a lot with the never open weight title because it is open weight. You can have the juniors come in there and have great matches. Like like Carlos says, like you can do Shingo and show. Give them 20 minutes. Give me a 20-minute Shingo and show match, and I'll, I'll, I'll be good. I'll definitely be good. Shingo against anyone. I'm I'm throwing yeah. my name in the hat, Jeremy. Bring me <laughs> in. I think he can get a freestyle match, Jeremy. He's the most. You know, we always talk that. that can phrase. you take those strikes though, Joseph? Listen, brother, I've seen some. Okay, I'm, I'm old school. No, I can't. Um, I mean, you wrestled Flair, so true. <laughs> good point. Very good point. Uh, the chops are different to what Shingo's yeah. throwing. Yeah. Um, you know, like we, we always talk sports, and it's like. Is Shingo the most like plug and play wrestler of all time? Like you, anywhere you want to put that guy, dude. If he's going to wrestle mm. matches, he's probably going to rule. Like any promotion in the world, I could figure out ten matches. I'd like to see Shingo have. He's that yeah. guy. He got a great match out of Yujiro Takahashi. Like that won't <laughs> should explain to you how how great Shingo is. And and I like and I like Yujiro, but it's not easy getting a great match out of Yujiro Takahashi nowadays. And Shingo absolutely did that. Rob Wilkinson sends a super chat. Says, "Congrats on your twenty-year contract, Joseph." Embiid still sucks. I mean, the Sixers are good, so this is not the time to say that Embiid. Neither of those things are true. I have not agreed to a twenty-year contract, and Joel Embiid does not suck. Both things are false. There you go. Uh, Rob, everyone follow Rob Wilkins at Rob Wilkins. He did great job on the New Japan coverage the past couple of nights. So just excellent job by Rob Wilkins, a very good man. Uh, Evan Wright says, "Inject Shingo versus Brody King." Into my veins oh right my now. god! Yes, yeah. Please, it's anything, Joseph? You not a fan Instant of the Brody seven King? star class? Oh, I got fired up. I, got okay. fired. I also want some Shane Taylor. Give me some Shane Taylor. Oh, I want yeah. to see Shane Taylor throwing that big right hand and Shingo just like shaking it off. <laughs> I need this. I need this. Very good idea. Yes. Uh, in in a non-pandemic you- world, uh, you can do so many great matches with so many guys from the RH roster with Shingo. It's a damn shame we're not gonna get a lot of those matches because of the nature of the world right now. IWGP junior uh, heavyweight stuff. Night one, Takahashi defeats El Phantasmo to move on to night two to challenge Taiji Ishimori. Takahashi wins on night two. Hiromu's always been a guy that I've like really enjoyed because he's just an absolute madman. And I mean, I'm cool with that. If this guy wants to run 50 feet down the ramp and then just basically take a neck bump on on the uh, sloped part of the ramp, like more power to the man. Just just an absolute madman is uh, what Hiromu Takahashi is. I fall in love with this guy every time I, I see him wrestle, like more in love with him because just the, the shit he's willing to do, much like Ibushi, anybody who's just going to go out there and like try to kill themselves for the entertainment and like laugh and smile about it, I love it. That's my kind of wrestling right there. That's why I love the Bray Wyatt. He's just he's just out there for our entertainment, everybody. <laughs> hey, in all seriousness, though, I don't throw a flag on anything as far as danger and stuff. 
throw in a big flag on that ramp bump, which was <laughs> and the worst thing about that spot was it didn't even look good because it looked like they completely like you know just lost their way. And yeah. Kevin Kelly said <laughs> the lights were up in a way that he couldn't actually see Shimori. And I was like, that is the fun. That's actually made it worthwhile that that's the reason. But the idea that the character Hiromu Takashi is like, I cannot see the man I'm running at. I'll run as quick as I can. <laughs> That's glorious. I'll just run as fast as I can down this ramp. I hope he's there when I do my jump and then just go for it. Hiromu is awesome. And like he's I've always noticed the screaming and stuff with him. I feel like it just gets louder and louder each time. And maybe it's ever since the evil stuff where he just let out that loud scream after the evil turn. This dude is just fantastic. I Hiromu Takahashi is now in my top five as well, along with uh, Kodo Bushi. Everybody's just moving up. Carlos, what do you think of uh, Takahashi's both nights? I mean, need I say anything more other than it was your typical Hiromu Takahashi matches in the sense that these were two of the best matches you're going to see all year long. And I mean... And I love the little story that they had right before this match between El Fantasmo and Hiromu in the sense where Hiromu, and we were talking about, you know, honorable fighting baby faces. And you don't get to see that from Hiromu as much as some other guys, but I love the, his sense of, okay, I won best of the super juniors, but there's another guy who also won a super uh, a junior heavyweight tournament. Uh, literally four, five, six thousand miles from from where I wanted, and I want to face him before I get to face Taiji Ishimori. And even though I don't fully agree with Taiji Ishimori winning uh, the Super J Cup again, I knew from, right from the get go these two were gonna put on a stellar match. I thought that this was, you know, the I thought this was aside from the Kota Ibushi show. I thought this was the Hiromu Takahashi show where it was, you know, Takahashi had had his thing with LIJ and with Evil throughout the summer, lost the titles to Taijishi Mori and Summer and Jingu. And then it was just Hiromu just sort of reasserting himself as the top junior heavyweight in the world. And I mean, Taijishi Mori and El Fantasmo, two great, great wrestlers. And, you know, it's almost impossible to have a bad match or even a good match with Hiromu Takahashi if you're also a good wrestler. He, he only knows how to go at one speed, which is give us the absolute best match uh, possible. And the, the match against Ishimori and El Fantasma probably going to end up being top 20 matches uh, this year when it's all said and done. I didn't, I wasn't as high on night one as you was, Carlos. And I, I don't think you're alone. It seems to have been divisive. I'm not sure where I'm at on El Fantasma. So that's mm-hmm. probably a me thing, right? Like I think he was, he was fine. It didn't jump off the uh, off the screen for me. It, it wasn't match- a super sexy pick, but I can understand right. why you may have to go with the safe choice with El Fantasma winning the tournament again and facing Hiromu because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of hard to really get to do everything that you want in a pandemic world. It, it worked as far as what they were trying because. I agree with what your, your point was, which is like, in you know, within all of this craziness that is Hiromu Takahashi, it really was a pretty straightforward, like, heroic tale, right? Of this guy mm-hmm. really, truly putting a stamp on where he is in this in this promotion, in this division. Um, 
And to do that, you need the first match against the complete dick that is... Like, it worked. I just didn't love that particular match. But the, the second match with Ishimori, the segment late on, and this is the one that comes to mind for me, and there's a bunch, I understand, especially a lot of stuff that looks cool, where he was just fighting through the forearms. And Ishimori went through the gears on these forums. Like, initially, it was like, okay, he's throwing some good forums. He started nailing it. And they did a great job. Rocky Romero nailed it with his commentary. It was like, his exact quote was, I think, something like, Hiromu has to stay on his feet to avoid referee stopping this match. And he timed that perfectly because Hiromu legit looked like he was barely able to stand up. And he kept coming. And, oh, get, yeah. and again, it's like, even with all the great stuff these guys can do now, especially Hiromu, he's done some amazing stuff physically there still needs to be a core emotion to these matches, right? And he is the guy who I think most consistently hits that as far as guys that, you know, knew he's disrespectful to him, but like, you know, we're talking about Tanahashi. Jeremy and I are in love with Tanahashi from way back. It's different. It's a very different kind of thing. Takahashi, like, <laughs> he always gets Hey, it. I love Tanahashi too. Right, there you go. Like, it's, it's way back. It's rooted in way back when, but I can come into Hiromu matches having no clue what the angle is or the narrative. He'll get me by the end of the match because he performs with such vigor and such sort of like passion, you just fall in love with the guy. I'm, I'm totally with what both of you said. It's just like that particular visual stood out to me. And it was just a nice, simple, and I guess there are comparisons there with the Ibushi story. But the, the way that they executed in that second match, I thought was great. So another kind of great like um, moment in the, in the timeline for Takahashi of like, he could really be a game changer in junior heavyweight history. Right, and I think they're starting to tell that story. It seems to me, so that's something to be excited about. I think that for me, it is anyway, definitely. Hiromu's selling the hand. I mean, they they told the story that in the first night his hand was broken. The second night, like I bit, I thought he was going to tap uh, to to Ishimori um, when he had him in in whatever the move was. Um, I, I definitely thought Joseph knows I'm a move guy. The fact that I can't think of a move right it now, was yes lock, brother. They're calling it the yes, it yes lock. Oh, were they calling yeah. it? Okay. Well, yeah, my brain is fried. All right. Um, <laughs> I thought he was going to tap on that, especially when Ishimori like rolled him over and everything. I thought that he was went it. with the one where like he straightened the arm up, right? Yeah, Remember that's why I didn't think it was like a yes yeah. lock. Cause, he did that initially and then he went to that. I don't know what that's called. I'm sorry, Jeremy. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought he was going to tap. He, he fought out of it. You're right that Hiromu can like draw you in, even if you, you don't know the story coming into it i think part of that's just all his yelling uh top five screamer just it's a big part of wrestling man it is yeah, yeah i like guys that make noises I it's it's not only the screaming but like just some of his cells the way he looks like he's just out yeah. on his feet it's yeah. not incredible incredible job selling i love hiromo cannot wait to see how this run goes a lot of good matches like not good like a lot of great potential matches out there if they can get some guys over to japan uh i know our buddy andrew thompson mentioned like a leo rush match uh there's like an ach potential match and really anybody in the the uh super j cup that took place in america you do any of those matches like hiromu is gonna have a good match against pretty much everybody we're gonna get show and hiromu at one point probably a an extended thing that's going to be great i'm looking forward to this run uh for hiromu evan wright says kevin kelly is the best commentator in wrestling it's hard very to disagree agree. yeah very it, very good it's hard to disagree with that uh i guess the other yeah, he had the i'm sorry to interrupt but he had maybe the bet my favorite call of the of night two where gato pulled the referee uh, red shoes 
out of pinning, uh, counting the one, two, three, and Kevin Clay just just screams out at the top of his lungs, "God damn you, Gato!" I thought it was yeah. absolutely brilliant. He, he does a good job of like, and I I mean this in a, like a really genuine way. So please don't make. I'm not doing this as a slight, but like he doesn't like dominate when I'm watching. He doesn't. I don't like hear him all the time. Get irritated, but he adds to it without subtracting. Right? Like some guys that add a lot also equally take away by being so kind of like. Um, loud for the term Kevin avoids that he's a pro respect to Kevin Kelly the other kind of big match from both nights Sonata defeating evil um, look I, I got killed on Twitter for not being an evil fan I I don't have a use for evil okay I think he's good as like kind of a, a mid card sort of heel I think he's fine there but as like a top heel I, I don't have I don't have a use for evil all right, if he's going to be the leader of the Bullet Club and they're going to kick Jay White out, I don't know. Bullet Club ain't going to be – it's not really my thing as it is. Definitely going to be my thing if it's a, a group led by evil. Carlos, I love Sonata, by the way. Sonata came out at the end of the show as well. And, um, yeah, Luis Padillo says, Hiromo against Chris Bay. Uh, I'll take that. Um mm-hmm. Sonata came out at the end of the show, challenged Ibushi. It looks like they're going to go with that. I love Sonata. I think they should be pushing this guy as a single star, especially over evil. Carlos, what'd you, what'd you think of uh, this match? I thought it was a very fitting conclusion to the evil Sonata storyline that really has been, it's weird. It's a story that maybe could have and should have been the top story throughout the summer as part of the evil turning uh, on Los Ingobernables de Japón. And it was, but I don't know. There was a part of it that kind of felt like it could have been an even bigger story uh, there. But regardless, I thought this was an adequate finish. I'm glad it's not a one. I think that for a guy that I think they're now finally starting to really push as a major, major single star, you can you, you, they're finally starting to sort of get it with with Sonata because in the past. They fl- it, it, in a way it was some, sort of similar to Kota Ibushi where they flirted with kind of pulling the trigger on Sonata where they were almost like they give him a big win against a big name but they don't but they don't follow up too much on and it goes back to doing tax stuff with evil and and then the, and I was fully invested in this evil Sonata thing because I mean these guys were these guys were like not just a tag team; they were one of the most successful tag teams in all of New Japan for 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 years and years. And for and the split was, I mean, came out of nowhere. I was surprised. You know, I'm glad the Sonata didn't look like a like a like a total geek uh, after the the split. And he, and I agree with Jeremy. Sonata should be a guy that they should be pushing as one of the best singles uh, guys in New Japan because I honestly think he is one of the best wrestlers in, in the heavyweight division. I'm uh, I don't know. I, Not a Sonata guy? To honest, I, I just think, you know, we just had that, what we said about Hiromu, about like the way he's able to emote. Mm-hmm. I know that's what Sonata's thing is, is he's like cold, right? He's cool and collected and it's like... Cold stuff. I've just never, I've never found a way to care about him in any way, shape or form. However... This was a match between two men I don't care about at all, but I thought it was a very good match between two men I don't care at all. I thought they had some tremendous touches as far as their particular story. And if you were into what they had going in, I would say this really hit what you were looking for. 
I thought they worked really hard and did a good job. I, you know, my, my gripes of evil stuff, like, is just what it is, and I, I can get around that. Dick Togo took the best tables bump in the history of professional wrestling in this match, in which he <laughs> actually did, like, a Tom and Jerry-style leap into a table, which exploded <laughs> immediately. It felt like the real proper comeuppance for Dick Togo after he had yeah. his he had yeah. his handprint on the G1 and with evil, like almost to the point where it was just detrimental to the whole overall point. But yes. So I, we were doing sorry, my, my bad Jeremy. One yeah. one last thing. When we were doing the Twitch gimmick on Sunday, which again, weeks ago. Um, our friend Tank, he's, he mentioned in the chat, he was like, among the Japanese wrestling audience that's on social, they love this story and these characters. And I, I watched it through that lens, and I think they did a really nice job of staying true to these characters. I like the idea of Sonada not kind of giving in to the rage, which I think Kevin Kelly did a great job with that. I thought did a really good job. It wasn't my thing, but I thought they had a good match. Here's the thing. I did like this match, too. And I could imagine if you were into this story, you probably thought this was a great match. Like Joseph said, I'm just I'm not in on evil. And I I love Sonata, but I'm not in on evil. It's just tough for me to get in on his stuff. When I tweeted the the stuff about like, yeah, I love Sonata. Shame is wrestling evil. Then I just played into the bit that I don't like evil. It was a lot of people just being like, you suck. And it was a lot of the like core New Japan, like Japanese fans who were like, you just don't get it. And like, I probably don't. I probably don't. It's just not for me. Dunk on me all you want. I don't care. It's, it's just not for me. Uh, Defelice sends a super chat, says the evil Sonata matches all. No, we like the match. No, the match was no, good. It was too far. There's nothing on these. Oh, the the yeah. Rumble was, even the Rumble wasn't, I nearly said it. You know what was amazing about the Rumble? It had so many good professional wrestlers and it still was so. So desperate to be the Rumble. <laughs> it was yeah. like, we're not having a good match. We're going to do the Rumble. There was no energy. Oh, it ruled. No, 30, 35 minutes for that. Uh, <laughs> I guess Sean preferred playing Tetris over Evil and Sonata. Like, it was a long night for I mean, It was a long night for all of us. But point God for life. Thank you. Buy the shirt. Everyone go go to Fightful Shop, whatever the website is. Buy, buy a shirt. Uh, Drew Nicholas has the most comfortable shirt he has. Go get the most comfortable shirt you could ever imagine. Wow. Make sure you nip hard. Makes your nips hard, makes the panties drop. Those are real reviews on the on the point. <laughs> By the way, speaking of that, if you don't on my friend Jeremy Lambert's tweet about NBA Twitter and Hiroshi Tanahashi, <laughs> we are not friends. Okay, that's the best tweet anyone's ever sent. We're not friends. <laughs> Numbers. I got like uh, over one thousand likes. I was so proud of that tweet. The dunk was like, well, no one would know who this guy is. It's like, I don't give a shit. This is a great kiss. Yeah, oh, cared fucking uh, Tanahashi is a god. All right, uh, tag title stuff. Gorillas of Destiny won the tag titles. They finally win at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and then uh, Suzuki Goon uh, retained the Junior tag titles. Any thoughts on either of these tag matches? I like them both. Sorry, you go, Carlos. I I apologize, Uh, Carlos. You go. They were. They were fine matches. They were good matches, but and I will be for I will be honest. Um, those were the two matches I was maybe invested in the least uh, because it's been a very very and it's not really necessarily the fault of the wrestlers because I think all of them are very talented. But especially with the junior heavyweight uh, tag titles, it's been a very very awkward 
time for those titles because Sho and Yo were the class of that division. And then Yo got injured and, you know, he's going to be out for, for quite a while. And it was sort of like a little scramble just to kind of get everything, just to get a new champion in a depleted junior heavyweight division just when you're also about to do a best of the super juniors. And I don't want to say like it was like literally sewn together, but it's not a division that's particularly given a lot of focus. I thought overall it was fine. I thought this was a good showcase of Master Wato, who uh, I still can't get over the name Master Wato. I still can't get over it, but but I think but I do think he is a very very good wrestler, and I think he has a very unique look. But uh, I, it will take me again some getting used to to, to Master Wato. But I think he, I think he has he has potential. Uh, heavyweight tag team titles. I mean, there were it was a good match. It was a very good match. Girls of Destiny, um, like was showing yo. Girls of Destiny are the class of the heavyweight tag team division, and I, I was fine with the with the with the change. It was it. Tai Chi has really really grown on me throughout this uh, tag title reign. He has really emerge as a as a real bona fide star in my eyes and and i'm fine if this if the title change means that tai chi would also go on to do some single stuff because i don't think he is a guy that you can just simply relegate him to uh to tag matches he can he can work as a single guy in certain situations and i think he has really improved especially during this pandemic I um I really was surprised how much I enjoyed the heavyweight tag title match. I thought they did a really good job of producing a match that was true to both teams and what they stand for without having no structural. It had some like kind of clunky stuff early where initially they kind of set up to have Tamara as like facing peril and I, I was very scared, concerned, Jeremy was, was the word. But I when they settled in on like, okay, we're gonna build to a Zach Sabre Jr. hot tag. That worked really well, I thought. And I thought Grizz Destiny was super inspired and motivated here. The finishing stretch was exciting. The, the finish itself was about what I'm used to expecting from these matches, which is, you know, it's eh, it's not it's not a whole lot to it. The, the junior tag, I have to say, that I haven't seen a, a lot of it, but every time I see El Desperado and Kanemaru, I love the way they structure their matches. I love the way they have a true control segment in there where they don't just like stall and waste time it's like it's intense and it's on point so that i enjoyed both matches and i thought they were both kind of good additions to each night the issue is and it goes to what carlos said about investment and it's like it is a shame that every year when you tune into wrestle kingdom it's like oh the tag titles are doing what this year like it's it would be nice if it was different right but as for what they were i thought they were good matches Evan Wright says, get the F over here. It's the Tokyo Dome. I love Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, he's that one line of- was fantastic. I, I was howling at that. And, and and also to your point, it's like it also doesn't help that the World Tag League, which I think is a, un, is a criminally underrated tournament, is at the very end of the year, right when people are already thinking about Wrestle Kingdom, and then they're all just waiting like, all right, let's just wait until World Tag League's done so we can then officially announce the full card for, for Wrestle Kingdom. And, like, it, it, I don't say guys are on cruise control, but it's like, well, let's just try to go for that tournament to get to, to Wrestle Kingdom so it got, does get a little bit... It's not as exciting a time in late in mid to late December uh, when we're just now figuring out who are the number one contenders to the tag titles. 
I've said it many times. They just need to combine the divisions. I don't get the point of having two separate divisions. They can barely book one, combine it, streamline it, make it much easier. Uh, the other stuff on these shows, Kenta defeated Kojima. I thought this match was great. Moxley, I guess, I guess Kenta's going to America and he's going to fight Moxley in the LA dojo. And I'm glad Kenta is finally getting that match after like eight months or whatever of holding this briefcase. Good on him for finally getting it. He had to defend it a lot. So I thought this match was really good. And the, the fire pro match had me more fired up for this match. Joseph. It was. And one less sort of just a cool little story of a guy who had a shot, you know, they did a little Rocky Balboa with it too. I think on commentary, like a guy who had a shot to kind of roll back the years, giving it everything against a complete dick who happens to have a briefcase and like in flashes, man, Kenta is still that dude. Like when he'll explode in a strike exchange, it's like, oh, that's familiar to me. <laughs> um, I thought they both really were hard and had a good match. Ke- uh, um, Kojima's cell of the go to sleep was awesome, by the way. Like it was so sad and kind of, you know, the old, sh- he's gone, like, it's, it's, it's over. But it, was, it wasn't like a classic by any means, but it's just a really strong match in the middle of a show that, where a lot of stuff's trying to be grand and kind of spectacular, this just was exactly what was needed, I thought, and give a little bit of variety. I really liked it. Carlos? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I mean, Satoshi Kojima did the absolute best he could in, in a situation where he was kind of brought in at the last second uh, after the whole thing with Juice Robinson. And and I like the little story they got with Kenta where he is literally just trying to be like, hey, when the hell is Moxley going to come here? I'm literally defending the title, uh, my briefcase more more times than he's ever defended his title. So, like, why am I why am I uh, still, like, the, the the briefcase holder? I should be the champion. So, I, I like what they're doing with Kenta. I think it's he's finally hit his stride in New Japan after he's had a little bit of a weird adjustment period, getting out of the WWE style and acclimating into the New Japan style. I think he's, I think he's finally coming into his own uh, based on what I've seen from uh, in the last eight months. Toriano is king of pro wrestling as it should be. Yes. That's it. He should be king of pro wrestling after he won the rant, after he was one of the four winners without ever getting into yeah. the ring. Bro, um, Ghetto, <laughs> the four men that he chose to be in that match almost was worth like a race in all good that was done in these two <laughs> Do you calm down, man? I know your reputation is strong, but like, let's not get crazy here, okay? Someone should have had a camera on me when uh, was it Ishii and Suzuki went at the same time? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, "Are we even going to do this show? It's the end. I'm done." <laughs> no, I had a great time. This this was fun. Overall thoughts on both nights of Wrestle Kingdom, Carlos. Very very good shows, especially given the the nature of the pandemic, what they've had to go through for the last six months. I thought both were excellent shows. I would highly give, uh, give it a watch to anyone who hasn't seen them. Joseph. Absolutely. Same thing. I, I think they were both great. I think considering the circumstances, they did a great job of, of still capturing that grand feel, both in ring and in terms of presentation, whether or not they have me hooked. I actually think, um, tomorrow we'll decide a lot of that in, in a weird way, you know, like with the with the directions that we leave this with. As far as the in-ring, man, like whatever your gripes are with this or that or that, you know, it still <laughs> is kind of premier in terms of what they can produce in there. Again, the style is what it is in terms of length, so if that's not for you, I get it, but in terms of quality and execution and skill, 
it's hard to kind of put anyone at any promotion above this. This crew is amazing. It, it consistently mm-hmm. churns out quality. So I had a great time with it. And as it was uh, in the night and now they produced it in such a way where you can sort of get caught up on what happened on night one. So it doesn't feel like you have to go through a three and a half hour show just to go watch this, the second three and a half hour show. Carlos, thank you for joining us. Where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro Media, where I'm still doing the gimmick of posting wrestling ratings, even though I'm no longer with Fightful. So I'm mainly just doing boxing right now. I got a YouTube channel where I also do plenty of boxing content, uh, which is also Carlos Toro Media. And this past weekend, I did a little like end of 2020 where I played Punch Out and I sucked just horribly. (laughs) Just, just, I didn't, I do not, I did not know how to beat Don Flamenca, which is, which is really a, an indictment on me as, as someone who works in boxing media. Joseph, anything to plug? You already know. I'll be on the Hiroshi Tanashi stand accounts for the next few years. Um, yeah, everyone knows, right? Here's what it is, the Twitter and all that good stuff. Have fun. Keep grinning. We'll be back on Thursday. We're going to do the first take show. Andrew Thompson is going to be with us. Yeah, Joseph, we got to – look, this week ain't over. I, I told you. I thought it was Wednesday at 9 o'clock this morning. Nope. Is only Tuesday. Law still a long, long week ahead. Uh, Carlos, again, thank you, buddy. It was good to do a show with you after you've carried me for news for so long. Uh, you've allowed me to do a lot more than I ever could imagine, and I didn't get a chance to say that to you on the Christmas show because I did a bit where I did talk. But thank you so yeah. much. Uh, I, I really well, appreciate and, that. Well, I mean, I should say the same to you. I mean, Jeremy, you're the point guy for a reason, and uh, and thank you so much for. Let me be on the show and just sort of hijack it, just talking about New Japan for seventy, for literally seventy-five minutes, and I've I've so very much enjoyed it. And I, and as I mentioned back on on the Christmas stream, I will always be a friend of Fightful, and I will always be there for for you guys, no matter what. One fifteen exactly, bitches. Just as I called it, we'll talk to everybody on Thursday. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.